Welcome to the Kitchen Sink Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. Starting in July 2021, the meeting will be hybrid. You will still be able to attend the meeting via Zoom. Please go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. Let's get this going. Okay. So, my name is Stephanie. I'm a... I'm from Brooklyn, New York. I grew up under the poverty line. I uh, was the third daughter to a single mother. Um, I experienced tremendous amounts of trauma. So by the time I grew up, I, you know, I was ripe for this eating disorder thing. Like this, this, this was like, you know, I was in my lane with this eating disorder. Um, I had a sister who had a drug problem, and I thought that was messy. I saw people drink, and I was like, it's not very ladylike. Um, You know, and so what I loved about the food is that it was secret, it was private, it did not stress my mother out, and I could, you know, handle it, or so I thought. Um, You know, I I always say this in my meetings, so um, I just have to tell y'all, like, I, I revealed the truth, and um, some of it's a little hard to hear. You know, when I was 12 years old, I was raped by an uncle. That sent me down this path. I, you know, there was a lot less information than there is today where you get a child's help. Or you, you know, I come from a community that's very closeted. We don't talk about things. We certainly don't talk about things that happen in our house. And, um, you know, we're just, we're strong. And, and, you know, I, it took a long time and a lot of meetings and a lot of years for me to understand that my definition of strength needed to change. And I was able to do that in this program. So I've been in this program for over 30 years. I came in as a baby. I crawled in, <laughs> crawled in saw, that, saw that book, and was like, I need that book. Um, yeah, so I learned how to read by reading, you know. The book. <laughs> so, um... I, for a long time in my early 20s, I kept bouncing between Los Angeles and New York. I'm from, again, I'm from New York. And whenever I would get close to things that I now recognize as feelings, um, I would find, I would be like, exit stage left, get me out of here. And um, I tried getting, you know, after a point, what happened, I was a bulimic, uh, anorexic, a bulimorexic, exercise bulimic, a laxative abuser, a binger, um, and and you know I just kept trying to find a new way to control my relationship with food because whenever any feelings came up, I was just like, okay, shove them down, shove them down, shove them down, because I believe that my limited knowledge about myself, which was that I was broken and that I had come from this broken experience, and that. You know, if anyone really got a glimpse of who I really was, I would, you know, not curry favor. In fact, people would, you know, see me as like the, a big fraud, and I would be, um, you know, I'd be found out, right? Like I'm not lovable, I'm not special, I'm not unique, I'm not, um, I'm not enough. And, and when I walked into these rooms, or like I said, crawled in. Um, I crawled into a, a meeting on Santa Monica Boulevard in Robertson. It's over 30 years ago. I sat in the back. Um, but what got me there was my relationship with food and the fact that I kept thinking, 
that there was a new diet, a new fast, a new... Like, if I only got the math right, if I could only find that special thing, then I could just, like, get it and be out. I didn't join things. I was raised by an atheist, proud, a proud atheist, former Catholic. So I didn't, um, you know, God, you know, God and church and religion were all, you know, money-making ventures. They were not about people. Um, I just want to say it took me a while before I could say, like, the GLG word, like, and be like, and not, like, cringe. And, by the way, God is, like, my co-pilot in life at this point. That we, you know, we do everything together. I am never alone. So when I first came into this program, I was just still looking for a, another option. So yeah, I said I did the steps, I did all the things because when I came in, I noticed oh, like all the anorexics get little anorexic sponsors, and all the bulimics get little bulimic sponsors, and all that quote. And I got a sponsor who was like in the mothership program. She was like. She was like, no joke. Because I was, if you haven't noticed, charming as hell. And, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to charm my way. And, like, I did not need to be charming in this program. I needed to be honest. I needed to be real. I needed to be vulnerable. I needed to feel feelings that um, I actually believe would kill me. Right? Like, I thought, like, if I could avoid what was underneath, then I could just, like, skirt through life and be happy. I um, I was broken wide open in this program. Like I came in, I was I was so um, I had so much sadness underneath the rage, underneath the not knowing enough, underneath the like you know being hip looking cold. Like I just was really sad, and I was and I really felt um, broken, right? But I but. Not, and what I learned was I wasn't broken. I had just been raised by wolves or crazy people or people who just, you know, didn't have to get a license to parent or didn't have to, like, didn't have to have their emotional life together or, or financial life or physical life. Or, they didn't have to have anything together in order to have children. Um, it was like... I'm not going to judge that because I'm alive. I made it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I learned with my first sponsor is you just keep going. And so she made me do, and I say made me because I just, I'm that person. I can't believe I did it. So somebody had to have, you know, held my feet to the fire. She made me do 30 meetings in 30 days. And I went to that damn log cabin, and I did these 30 meetings in 30 days. I met people. And, and, you know, one of the things I discovered is I had no tools for life. Like, you know, there's a book that, that people, you know, generation above mine would read on how to parent. Like, there was no book on how to live, how to eat. And as a black woman, it was doubly, like, isolating because, like, we, like food is love like I was very confused I was also raised in a house where we had a lot of empty cabinets we didn't have a lot of food and my mother was a smoker so eating was not that important to her like she really believed that if you had a cigarette and a good book then you were done 
like life was like life was perfect. And so I couldn't explain to people because people think, oh, if you grow up poor and you're black, it looks one way. I was like, no, no, I grew up in a library. I grew up in a very like academic household and a very political household. My mother was an activist. I was I grew up like in a very you know a woke household, except nobody. I was in foster care when I was really young, and and you know one of the rules of getting my mother of reestablishing paternity for my mother was she had to feed us, right? Like she had to keep a house, she had to feed us. Now what was on that plate was often a scary situation. I did not know until I was probably 18 to 20 that vegetables actually grew in the garden, <laughs> that they did not come out of a can. There are still things I will never eat until this day. Nope. I had them in the canned version. I, I don't care if they're roasted, candy. Like, no. No. Um, so, you know, it's, with the help of, of, with outside help, a good therapist and program and developing a spiritual life, which I learned after coming in this room, I, you know, was kind of on my way in terms of having tools. I'm ADD, so I bounce around a lot, but you're going to get the story. I promise. Like, it's going to be a story. Um, I, and for the first few years that I was in program, I uh, was a quitter. I'd be like, mm, this doesn't apply to me. How can all of these white people help me? Mm-hmm. Like, it's really what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Now, I was, my stepfather was raised white, so I wasn't a non-white familiar. I was just looking for a way to be separate. And I didn't know that that was part of my issue, that I was always, like, looking for a way to be separate. Like, I'm special. Can we agree on that? Like, I'm <laughs> like, so, so what I learned in program and doing the steps and working with the sponsor was, like, special is going to kill me. Special is, like, black and white. Right, like, the, and I was black, and you guys were white, so it was like, it was all convoluted in my brain because I kept trying to find a way to separate myself. Right, in the big book, it's like, this is my, this is my church. Right, this is like one version of my church, which is, you know, we're all the same. Like, there's, like, there, like we have a common welfare common, which means we're together, which means we all want the same thing, which is to stop using food and to actually thrive in life. I didn't actually know that that was going to be one of the benefits of working this program. It says, you know, we'll be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And I mean, those minds well, might have well have been platitudes, right? When I came in, I was like, like, okay. Sure, I'm going to do a new freedom and a new happiness. What I knew when I came in is that I never got what I wanted. Is that I was always the little girl with her nose pressed against the glass, you know, of the biggest house in the neighborhood, because I had goals. Um, and, and, and it wasn't going to be my life. That I was always going to be lonely, wanting, um, and, and I was, you know, and that, like, sad little girl was always going to exist inside this, like, you know, outward-appearing, happy person. Because 
I learned when I was young to just like get that look off your face, shove it down, don't, you know, whatever's going on, nobody wants to know. Um, I never told my mother that I had been raped by her brother because my story was a little different. Like, I knew she believed me. I didn't have any of that, like, oh, my God, my mother's not going to believe me. He's the success of the family. She would have taken him down to the stubs. And I would have then had, like, I would have been an orphan. So, you know, when you're kind of groomed, you're taught, like, you're going to be a problem. Right? Like, you're going to be. So, it took me a long time to learn to learn this. And I will say, because this is one of the favorite, my, my favorite recovery stories. Um, in 2019, no, 2018, August of 2018, my mother was in the hospital and she was dying. And um, my sister and I were there. And, um, and, and my, we're, I'm standing there in her hospital and I look down the hall and I see my uncle who kind of raped a lot of kids in my family and, and, and my two aunts and they were like flanking him and they were coming toward me and this is what I got from the program. They walk in and I go, nope, he can't be here. He has got to go. And my aunts are like, well, everyone gets to grieve. And I said, no, not the man who caused harm to me and my mother's other children and who, um, I said, I don't have people who are not good to me in my, in my immediate. No, he's got to leave. So later, and, and by the way, my mother is in a coma. I am feeling like I am doing a happy dance for my 12-year-old self who did not have a voice, who is a grown-ass woman, and, like, I have boundaries. Like, the one thing I got in this program is I have boundaries. And so later on, my aunt said, you know, you should let that go. Like, you know, it's not, it's not good to live your life in, you know, you know, in the past or, you know, feeling angry. And I was like, I'm not angry. I'm actually an incredibly happy person. Just so bizarre, but so true. I said, but I don't have people who are not Team Stephanie in my life. You, you could be Team Stephanie on the Internet, like against me on the, like in social media, whatever. But if you are invited in to a sacred space like a hospital room, you, you got you gotta be here for good. Like I can't I, I can't take care of my twelve year old self, you know, who's going to be activated by having this unsafe person on. Not gonna happen. Um she didn't really hear me. Didn't matter. I mean, I know this is a twelve step meeting, but I will say that the next year on my daughter's birthday that person died and it felt like a birthday present and I don't care that's just how it is. that's how my higher power works my higher power is we just gonna let you know we're giving you a gift like you get a gift and you get a gift and, and so I'm saying what I'm saying is this program seems like you're coming in here to work on your relationship with food but what you're really coming in here to do is to that's your five-minute warning how many minutes Okay. Five minutes. Thank you. So what you're really doing is coming in here to not only get tools for life, but to learn how to be your best self and to learn how to heal from limited beliefs that you once believed were true. 
right? Like when you're raised in an environment with unsafe people or people who, you know, raise the whip and, you know, you got, you, you got to get a straight A or whatever it is. When you come in here, by using the tools and by using the steps, you are taught, you know, another way of being, another way of living. And you are taught that you are enough. Right? Like, you are enough. You wake up in the morning, you don't have to do anything, you don't have to wear a certain shoe, you don't have to, like, make everybody happy. You're enough. You don't have to eat something to shove down uncomfortable feelings. And I remember when I started having feelings. Oh, oh, feelings, right? I started having feelings, and I was like, what is that? I know how to be happy. I know how to feel like the world is going to fall in on me. When I came in, those were, that was how I lived. I either was good or one thing went south and I went, you know, under the bed, under, like burying me. And, you know, now I get feelings and I'm like, oh, that, I think I'm, I'm sad. I'm really like. Like, I feel like I should get an award some days for all, having all the feelings because sometimes they happen all in one day, right? The difference is when my, I don't go with them. I don't feel the need to suddenly be like a slave to my emotions. Because I remember having a sponsor and she'd be like, my, one of my first sponsors was like, it's going to pass. It's a feeling. It's gonna, and I was like, how do I, you know? And learning how to trust this person taught me how to trust myself. Like, I had a lot of help because I have a very high trauma score. Like, I have eight and a half out of ten. I know it's only full numbers, but I'm just going to tell you. I have eight and a half. That's how I feel. That's the truth. Not quite a nine. Ten with me and I should be dead. I have eight and a half. And, you know, because I have, like, you know, I, I had... Um, Physical, emotional, and um, tr- and mental trauma um, abuse. I had physical trauma. I had, you know, a parent who smoked. I had a, I had a missing parent who would show up occasionally, and who was so successful. It's not even I can't even mention it. But I had like a lot of, you know, no food in the house. No, you know, and so what I learned was, oh, this is like, this like I have overcome a lot of things and. It took me a long time to stop judging my path against others. I'd be like, oh, I grew up under the dugout, not even on a base. And the fact that I have made it to a base, I'm like, yeah, I'm living my best life. Right? And so I have perspective. And one of the things this program gives you is perspective. Like, you come in, and it is, I would not have anyone believe that this stuff is easy. All the stuff you ate over and threw up over and starved over, it's there waiting for you. But you have people to help you unpack it. And you may need some outside help, but I don't play with my food. I don't diet. I, like, I eat everything, like, except things I don't like, right? But I don't have restrictions. I don't have, like, I can go to a restaurant and be like, and pick almost anything. I'm a foodie. I cook. I, like... Like, no. This is not who I was when I came in. I have a child who is going to her senior year of college. 
she is so successful right now in everything she's doing that it's a little overwhelming for me, but I now see, oh, you had loving parents who supported you. Sometimes it's just that simple, right? You were able to fail, and it's not you are not a failure as a human. I mean, it's a lot of little life lessons that I learned in this program that allowed me to go into the fullness of my life. Like, I, I have my dream career. Sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down, but I love what I do for a living. You know, I have long-term relationships with people. I've had long-term marriages. Um, That's your time, And, Stephanie. you know, what I want to say is, like, you do have to keep coming back, and you do have to do the work, and you do have to, like, feel your feelings. So thank you for letting me. So this is time for questions only. There's no sharing of this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that, that the opinions of the leader, these are my own, um, not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you do not need to identify yourself. If you ask a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your, your hand. If you have a question or in person, raise your hand. If you are on Zoom, type your question into the chat and the tech host will read it out, read it to the group and to the speaker. We will alternate between in-person and online questions. The speaker will repeat the question before answering. Let's go. Thank you, Stephanie. You talked earlier about uh, you first came to the program and you couldn't say the word God and Right. So when I came into the pro into program, I I um, couldn't say the word God, and I didn't have a relationship with God, and like how did that change, and what was my process? So, you know, if you read twelve step literature, there's a lot of you know discussion about God, and and I was in a meeting, one of my earlier meetings, and a guy said. You know, my God is, and he named a famous basketball player, and he said, when he goes to the basket, he shoots, he shoots. And so that's my God. And I was like, oh. So then my sponsor had me do a help wanted sign for God. Like, so where I could, I could define what I wanted God to do for me. And, and you know, I've, all of my sponsors do that. I, I really, and you're constantly shaping your relationship with God. And so, and I also started meditating and, you know, praying. And um, I found a spiritual community that was very important to me. And, um, you know, I, it, was, it was over time, and I gave it time. I didn't, I didn't, like, rush it. I didn't feel like, oh, I have to get that G.O.D. thing down. It, 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 you know, one day I woke up and I was like, oh, I guess we're friends now. <laughs> so that's kind of how God, the God thing happened. It, it, you know, it's like that boy in the back of the classroom and keeps grabbing a ponytail eventually. I'm like, oh, you like me? Okay, let's do this. So, yeah. so the first question here we have, how did you gain your abstinence, especially at the beginning of your program? So how did I gain my abstinence, especially at the beginning of program? So in the dark ages of program, when I joined, <laughs> you had to actually call your sponsor every day. Like, my, I had a sponsor who said call every day. And so one of the things that she had me do is I called in my food three times a day. I was like a little bit of a liar. Mm, 
depends on who's in the room, right? Like, so I, I would say things like, oh, I ate a piece of chicken. I ate two pieces of chicken. I ate three pieces of, tur- of turkey. I'd actually eaten two pieces. Like, it took me a long time to understand that, that part of it was learning to be truthful. I always kept a little bit, I was a little bit shady just because I didn't want someone to know me because if they knew me, they wouldn't love me. And it was a whole thing in my head that was not true, by the way. Um, so I did the 30 meetings in 30 days. I listened to my sponsor. I did it imperfectly. And for me, it was very simple. If I ate it, I owned it because I was a hardcore believer. And I wasn't allowed to starve. So I had to be willing to gain weight. Like th- That's really the key. I had to be willing to gain weight. And I did. And then eventually my body trusted me enough to no longer need to hold on to that weight. That's really what happened. That was, that's my story. I'm sticking with it. That's what happened. Okay. Breaker. Um, thank you so much for your um, You mentioned if you're not on Team Stephanie, you're not around me. How did you get there? Was there a progression of, of the comfort that, that, that you fit in with that? Okay, so if you're not on Team Stephanie, you're not, you're not around me. Like, so how did I get there? So one of the things that happened when you're working this program is you start to feel your feelings. And I would notice if I was, like, I noticed that there was a trajectory in terms of a binge. didn't just happen. Like, often there was a moment of discomfort. And if I was on the phone with someone, and I got off the phone, and I was super hungry, I started noticing. If I was talking to someone, if, like, someone, you know, like, kind of, like, got in the dirt and, like, kicked up something for me, I would notice, and I, and I started paying attention. I started paying attention to what made me uncomfortable. Like, like for me, it was shame or feeling like a burden. Those were my two touchstones, right? If I felt shame or like a burden. And so I started to pay attention to when I had those feelings and who was involved with those feelings. And then eventually I could say to someone, oh, I'm not comfortable with, like, you constantly reminding me that you knew me when I was eight years old and shit, and I was, you know, like, no, I'm now a grown-up, so can we be in this moment, or it's not going to work. So I started to set boundaries, but that's, that's what happened, and now, I, like, Team Stephanie has grown. It's overtaken the world. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's grown. Like, the people who are on my team, and I'm on my, and, but, but it goes both ways. I'm on people's team. Like, the people in my life, I ride for them. I am on their team. I am, I am such a cheerleader for the people in my life. I really am. And also, the people on my team are really honest. So if I make a mistake, they tell me. Right? Like, they don't want, they don't want me to be, look, you know, having food in my teeth. Like, they really help me to become my best self. So that, that's part of building a team. Okay. How did you transition from being bulimic to not now not restricting food types at all? This seems like a wild fantasy for me as a fellow bulimic. So how did I transition? How did I get from being a bulimic to a foodie? Like how, like, well, there was orthorexia in the middle. There was, no, I mean, like, like it was, it was a, it was a shit show, right? Like. Because when I stopped being bulimic or a restrictor, I kind of swung a little bit to binging. And, then, and, and because I worked a program and I was always honest with my discomfort, and I, I started crying all the time. Like, 
so so I started like I had a lot of help. I had a, I had a lot a lot of help, and it took me a it, like I've been here for over thirty years. So I always tell people it takes a moment. So from restricting to eating some of the gourmet fabulous foods that I eat or non gourmet, um, it, it was a journey. And I and I and I went from not like I wanted I liked food I always liked food. So, um, but I did have to go through the fear of gaining weight and gaining weight, like with, especially bulimic anorexia. Your body does not trust you to keep the food in. And I, you know, so I had to stop all the, that behavior and just sit because I realized it wasn't the food; it was the feelings. I swear to God, it's the feelings. Like, mm-hmm. and and they didn't kill me. And so eventually, I would add more things. I would. I would I would get a little braver. I'd be at a restaurant. I'd be like, Oh, I'll try that. Oh, it's, okay, it didn't kill me. I didn't, you know. So that's it's it's a time thing, and it's a little bit. Of, you can't like jump over the all the emotional life to just start eating everything, mm-hmm. right? Um. I think this is the first survey. Okay, so talk about relapse. Oh, I can talk to you about relapse. <laughs> so there was a there was a time twelve years into program where I was like, maybe somewhere between eight and twelve years in, I was like, I'm tired of these people. I don't want to go to these meetings. I don't need this. I'm such I'm I'm healed. Sorry, I had to say it like that. But that's 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 how my brain thought, and I left program. And um, eventually, the emotional like I was going through a divorce. I had a child. I was depressed. You know, I had left my eating disorder community, and I relapsed. And it was hard. And it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I realized that how that my maybe it was seven or eight years in no no whatever whatever it was I was not a hundred percent authentic like there was still some stuff I wasn't there were still some some windows I wasn't willing to open and some doors I wasn't willing to enter in myself right like I still um I still had a little bit of like living in a, in, in, of like trying to hold on to some of the disease behavior. I was, I was going, I was orthorexic, I was um, vegan. I said it was for my health and maybe it was for my health, but part of it was like, oh, let's take some of the foods that are scary off the list. So I was still playing with my food, it just looked differently, um, different and, and, um, when I relapsed that last time, I realized, and I, 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 people can say whatever they want, I will never throw up again. I will, I will never, like, I, afterwards, a couple of years later, I wound up in the hospital. They had to cut my stomach open because of all the acid and how it ate. I almost died. I was almost, like, not even jokingly almost died. Like, 20 doctors around me on the operating table looking at me like, can we save her? And it was because of this disease. So, and that was after I was no longer 
you know, bulimic, but the, the, the years of it had almost killed me. And, um, and a lot happened in that. Like, I, I got so honest with myself and with others. I got so vulnerable. Vulnerable was the hard one for me. I got so vulnerable and transparent. And, yeah, I will never throw up again. I just... I won't, I won't make it. I won't survive it. I know that about myself. So. All right. How did you develop your concept of a higher power coming from an atheist home? So how did I develop my concept of, of a higher power coming from an atheist home? So, fun fact, it was so much easier for me to believe in God because I didn't have to fire one. <laughs> and I didn't have... Anthony? I didn't have a fire. Uh huh. Okay, I didn't have a. I didn't have some. You know, fire brimstone. I'm going like going. I, how, I'm like, how, like, what's that? What? What is that? I mean, I knew what it was, but I couldn't actually believe that people believed in it. So I didn't have to fire any concept. I, you know, God is like the still small voice within me. God, my higher power, is like the power that wants the most for me, more than I could ever dream, right? Like, so my relationship with God is, you know, it's all good because I was able to define it for myself and, and it helped me to be a better person in the world, to have um, something that, that, that forced me to stand up taller and to be um, an ethical, like, good human. Thank you. Um, when things aren't going your way, is that God's will? And if so, how do you keep the faith? When things aren't going their, my way, is it God's will? I don't know. I, I heard in program once that, like, God always answers with yes, no, or not now. Right? Um, things often do not go my way. I mean... They just don't, right? Like, I, I have a lot of experience with things not going my way. But I really believe that when things don't go my way, I don't have to go with them. I double down. When things don't go my way, I double down on my, like, prayer, meditation, gratitude. I start, I start, if I have $5, I'm giving two of them away. Like, I am, I am absolutely stepping up my service you know because I'm, my only job in the world is to be a service so if things are going my way I are not going my way I need to A. not need them to go my way because I don't and B. I need to just like like I, where I come from is so different than the world I live right like I've already come so far Right. I'm not starving. There's food in my refrigerator. I can go to the store and buy more food. I have a lovely garden and a fountain and a, like a dog and a daughter and like a community. Like I have, a, I have so much to be grateful for that if things don't go my way and then I dip. And by the way, I could be sad and depressed. I, I had a, very, a lot of sadness this week. Not depressed, but I was really sad. Like I was down and I just felt my feelings. And then I was like... I was tell and I was honest with people. I'm like, I'm having a hard week, and and um, 
I was also in that moment able to know it, this isn't permanent. Like I know it's not. Like when I came into the program, I was the kind of kid who I was the kind of person who went to the beach and started screaming at the ocean. The tide went out. Oh my god. Oh my god. What am I gonna do? And now I'm now I can go to the beach. This is a metaphor. And and say like the tide went out and and like do my thing and know it's gonna come back in. It's not. It's not. You know. I'm not gonna grow a leaf on a tree. That's God's. That's God. So. That, that's the difference. All right. Um, next question is uh, regarding, uh, can you share about your food plan and your abstinence? Okay, so my food, I can, can I share about my food plan and my abstinence? I have absolutely no food plan. Like, I, when I'm hungry, I eat. That's it. Like, and, I, and I can tell the difference between real hunger and boredom, distraction, like all the other things. So my food... I don't, I don't throw up no matter what. I don't exercise to get to, I don't do anything to get rid of calories. I just don't. Um, my food plan is everyone's eating, I'm eating. Like we're, like it's another time we're, I'm going to eat, right? It's like, um, I eat what I want. I mean, I have to remind, I'm going to be honest, I have to remind myself to eat green things all the time. I'm like, oh, my body's craving like, a salad? Is that true? Okay. Okay. I'm going to eat a salad. I say that jokingly, but that's the truest thing I've said today. Like, I, you know, I kind of prefer other foods. Um, but, yeah, I, I listen to my, I, 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 you know, I enjoy eating. So I'm not going to miss a meal. Like, I'm, I'm just not going to miss a meal. <laughs> But I don't have I don't have a lot of restrictions around my food. I don't have I don't have like a three meals a day two. I don't. That's not me. That's your time, no. Stephanie. Thank you.